0: um, let's grab our Bible. Let's, let's spend a little bit of time in the Bible. This morning, I want to finish off our, our series on, um, building a kingdom life, building a kingdom life. And, um, if you've got your Bible, uh, get it ready to Colossians chapter two. We were here last week on this one. And, um, Paul's writing to this little group of Jesus people and um, as part of that, he was, he was letting them know that he's, he's pouring his life out. He's like, he uses the words at the start of Colossians 2. He says, I, I want you to know how much I'm contending for you, for the ones that I know and the people I've never even met yet. Uh, I'm just, is, if you kind of look behind it, Uh, A little bit, it's hard sometimes to hear the heart when you're reading text. But he's basically saying, hey, listen up, Jesus people at Colossae. I'm pouring my guts out for you. I'm spending every bit of who I am that you might continue in Jesus in a world where everything's at work against you, that you would discontinue with Jesus. But he's like, I'm pouring my guts out to this end. And, and God invites us as his kind of people, as Jesus' people, to be, to be partnering with the heart of God as God's pouring out his heart for the well-being of people to know Jesus as Lord. And um, so we, we're going to sort of wrap up a few things there, but our key verse was in verses um, uh, 6 and 7 when he says, Just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, Live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So, but before we get there, let's let's just jump on to the next um, slide. Thanks, Stephen. And this this is where we've been since Easter. You know, sometimes it's it's important just to go back a little bit, just to see the conversation thread that the God's been having with us, and um, and inviting us into. Jesus has been inviting us, you know, the risen Jesus, follow me. Where has Jesus been inviting you to follow him? To who? To what spaces in your life? Build a kingdom life or build a, build a life, he, he said in to the church, Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, he said, you know, be ambitious about life. but But not to climb over the top of people or at the expense of people, but... Be ambitious to lead a peaceful life, a life that honours the value of the people that you're walking with and living with in a way that builds them up, Um, a peaceful life. It was quite challenging for those guys in their setting to say Jesus is Lord because it meant that they were saying Caesar is no longer my God but Jesus is. And when they were doing that, it, it meant that they were then on the fringes of culture and society. And it's learning to live a peaceful life, an ambitious life, a life that wants to see the kingdom come, that keeps our nose out of other people's business. You know, Jesus' people are not the people that are interested in you know, gossip and, and all, all the stuff that the world and the media spend so much time on. Just not interested in it. Be ambitious about your life. Keep your nose in your business with Jesus. Inviting people into your life. Opening up your life in such a way that that others feel the invitation to come and meet with God. We looked at divine appointments, how in the everyday, every day, the kingdom is breaking in, in the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the mundane and the spectacular, in the everyday, you know, just even um, in the course of this this week, you know, our um, my daughter Sarah, she's over there, I'm going to talk about her for just for a second. But Sarah, she's, you know, grade 12, she's got all of those sort of pressures of the end of high school stuff years, you know, all these exams and all the pressure and all the, the ideas of processing about what am I going to do post high school, where am I going to, the dreams that are in my heart and all this sort of stuff. And she just, she was a little overwhelmed the other day before she went to school and she was saying, I'm just really anxious with all of this stuff that's going on. And so before she flew out the door and um, I, just, I just grabbed her and I quickly grabbed the Bible and said, hey, don't forget this one today. And I opened up Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 don't be anxious for anything but in everything through prayer and petition give thanks to God and so we just prayed together for a moment and off she went and she was empowered by by the the living word the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit to know that God's walking with her today you know it's it's like it's in the everyday the divine appointments of the kingdom breaking through but those those who get to see it are those who are looking for the kingdom if you're not seeing it my question would be are you looking for it because that's the posture of the kingdom that's the posture of the disciple of Jesus I'm looking I'm leaning toward the kingdom. I'm leaning towards what Jesus said when he said, my dad's always at work. Always at work. Do we have the eyes to see? Are our hearts open to? Are we leaning towards those divine appointments that God has for us? And then last week we touched on how Paul said a part of the big megaphone of Jesus through his people to the world and to the forces of darkness, is overflowing thankfulness. And last week we talked a little bit about how the things that our lives are overflowing with, and one of my mates texted me afterwards and he said, Thanks, mate, I had to go home and clean out my garage, because all the stuff. You know, it's like our lives are overflowing with loads of things, emotions, spiritual dynamics... But are they overflowing with thankfulness that Jesus is Lord, that the nearness of the King is with us in every moment, whether we're in a a really heavy, hard space or whether we're on top of the mountain and just like, yes, I can see for miles and I've conquered another hill with Jesus and everything in between. Is my life overflowing with thankfulness? And thankfulness is not some sort of, you know, positive confessional thing either it's not like if i'm if i confess thankfulness enough then things will change no 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 scrap that that's bad theology that's bad teaching that's not jesus thankfulness is the overflowing revelation of the fact that jesus is walking with you right now in every decision every choice every conversation everything jesus is king and thankfulness is whether I'm stepping towards someone that needs healing, or I'm stepping into a situation of great grief or frustration or spiritual oppression, or if I'm 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 joining in a moment where the kingdom of God is breaking in for someone's life with incredible generosity and freedom. Jesus is king. I'm so thankful that Jesus is Lord in every one of those settings. And his lordship is invading it all. We asked the question, you know, last week where uh, Paul says there, um, you know, continue to live your lives in Him, and we we touched on the fact that in the journey of the Christian life, there's many people who actually choose at points of pain, difficulty, suffering. They choose to disconnect and discontinue with Jesus and His people. It's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker. But that's part of the journey that we, as his people, need to continue to walk through. Hey, Let's jump on. So, And today, I want to just pick up on this little phrase that Paul uses in that scripture where he says, you know, uh, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That's the little hinge point that we're going to finish this series on. As you were taught. We're going to finish on. So Colossians 2, 1 to 14. I'm just going to read um, these first seven verses this morning, though. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all those who've not met me personally. My goal is that they might be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. "'Namely, Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. "'And I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. "'For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit "'and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is.'" So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Actually, I will go on to the next one. Thanks, Stephen. It's such a great scripture. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Jesus. Man, I, I could do a whole thing on that just this morning. <laughs> those two things, the philosoph- philosophy of, these, of this world, which might sound like high-level high intelligence stuff, but it's not. It's all those little boiled-down little throwaway terms that people live their life by. Ah, oh, such is life. What do you mean by that, such is life? Who's, who's authoring your life? What do, you, what do you understand life to be? <laughs> Paul's saying, such is life, if it depends on anything other than on Jesus, it ain't life. It's that simple for Paul. He's met the living Jesus, even as you have. Don't depend on those human traditions or those elemental spiritual forces. In other words, we're living in a a very alive spiritual contest. For in Jesus, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. Do you hear that? In the one sentence, Paul's on about something. What? Fullness. A full life. The bit we're touching on this morning is an overflowing life not a half-empty life, not a drained life, not not, not an atrophied life, a full and overflowing life. He's the head over every power, all authorities. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Jesus, having been buried with him through baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Man, this is good gear. When you were raised... When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision on your, of your flesh, God made you alive with Jesus Christ. He forgave you all your sins. He's cancelled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away by nailing it to a cross. We love the cross. Paul talks about it in Corinthians as the message of first importance. Why? Because it's right there that God takes all the powers and all the philosophies of this world and all of the sin and all of the darkness and sickness and invokes it onto himself and says, I will deal with this thoroughly once and for all time. Thank God for that. And then on the third day, he rose again. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a spectacle of them, publicly triumphing over them by the cross. Overflowing thankfulness. Next slide. Thanks, mate. They're, they're the three things that we were touching on, about just this life, the, this faith that's grounded, it's built up, it's strengthened. But this morning, I want to touch on as you were taught. As you were taught. Let's go to the next slide. Thanks, Stephen. Taught, actioned. <clears throat> you know, we... we Information does not equal changed lives, does it? <laughs> information doesn't matter how much information you get. it doesn't equate to a changed life or circumstance. Let me just read. This is a little article that I found online. Um, we're, you know We're a generation that is spoiled for information. I mean it is like streaming at us 24/7, even while we're sleeping. Information is coming at us. <laughs> I found this um, article and it says, the study was conducted by the researchers at the University of California in San Diego under Roger Bond, according to the British Times of London and the Telegraph. He believes that people are every day inundated, inundated, overflowing. It's an overflowing reality, in other words. You can't, you can't hold how much is coming at you. <laughs> He says, inundated with the equivalent of about 34 gigabytes of information. Now, some of us may be more computer inclined to understand that language as to others in the room. But basically, take your laptop computer, that's enough information in the space of the average laptop, and it would be overflowing and at capacity within a week. Within a week. That's the av- just sort of the average. In other words, what he's saying is, through your mobile phone, through the internet, through electronic mail, television, radio, newspaper, books, and more—all your socials—people receive about now this. And the other thing is, this article was done before, before the invention of um, of TikTok and a few other platforms that are like scaled up on top of this now time and time and time again so you just this was done before that people receive about 105,000 words or 23 words per second in a half day in 12 hours so every (laughs) every second you are being streamed with information at breaking it down 23 words every second I can't I can't take it all in, <laughs> I'm overflowing for the amount of information that's coming at me. Although people cannot really read these 105,000 words each day, this is a real number estimated to be reaching human eyes and ears. After adding pictures, videos, games, etc., we reach this volume of 34 gigabytes of information every day on average. You feel like you're just overwhelmed with information coming at you? That's our context. Overflowing information. And all for all of that information, for all of that information that's coming out and it's coming to us, how much of it is actually transforming our life? How much of it is actually being taken on board and transforming our life you see information doesn't equal changed lives what it does is is this study tells us that information gives us overflowing lives of information not necessarily transformation and this is something that paul is poking at when he's talking to jesus people He's saying, hey, you guys have got a lot of information. I've taught you this. Put it into play. Take what you have heard. Take what you have experienced of Jesus. Take what you have seen modelled and taught to you, hearing, doing, applying. He says, put it into play. Action it. If you want to see transformation... You don't swallow a pill, you partner with God in what he's doing to see your life come alive to him. And that's a, that's, that's a, a really important thing, because the moment someone comes up to me and says, oh, I'm just not being fed, gosh, I've heard that over the years, in all parts of the body of Christ, No, oh, this church doesn't feed you enough, there, there's a disconnection in that statement. Where people are actually choosing to go, I just want more information, rather than applying and partnering with God in the very life transforming information that's been given to them, but is yet to be engaged and applied. Hello? See, Jesus people, Paul's saying, hey, Jesus people, put it into play. Stop asking for more information you got more than you know what to do with. Put it into play. Be ambitious about life. Live peaceably. Keep your nose in your own lane. Partner with God as he's breaking in every day, in the everyday stuff. Join in with what the Holy Spirit's doing. And let the overwhelming megaphone of that be the thankfulness that Jesus is Lord wherever you're walking every day. It's not a pill, it's not a moment, it's not an event, it's a life lived with the living Jesus that sees the kingdom come. Well that means I actually have to I actually have to turn up. I actually have to put my shoes on. I actually have to engage. I actually have to listen. I have to posture my heart to learning. When we stunt In our discipleship journey, because Paul's saying here it's meant to be this deeply rooted, ever deepening rootedness, groundedness, earthness of heaven in Christ in us that then builds us up in the most holy faith that is somehow empowered by God to keep walking in a context that says Jesus isn't Lord, but we know that He is. That's not a pill. That's a life lived in relationship with Jesus. I find that even though personally I have been the recipient of so much good teaching, like anointed, Holy Spirit anointed teaching and modelling, of the kingdom of God and what it looks like to be a disciple in areas of walking with people through death and grief, through to what does a marriage look like, to how to parent a brand new child, how to parent an 18-year-old child, how how to love grandparents, how to care for parents who are aging and nearing death, how to walk people through death, how to use this money that I've been given by God. What do I do with this? You know, I've been the recipient of so much good teaching, as have we all. And yet, good teaching doesn't change things. Anointed teaching will often break through and reveal the heart, but still the heart has to do the work of responding to what the kingdom invitation is in the breakthrough. The heart needs to say, okay, Lord, let's do this. But the reality is it takes me a while sometimes from what I've heard to changing my lifestyle. And that's good. That's part of it. That's the journey that we're all on. The pace at which transformation happens though is often based on how willing I am to hold a posture of learning as to actually what I'm listening to and seeing, I've already got that sorted, I have the answer, see you later, thanks anyway. As I have learned much in this life, I still have much to learn. As I have learned much in this life, I still have much to learn. This wonderful, and it was just this beautiful little prophetic moment there as as Lisa was leading us with the team there. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared in advance for those who love him. There's something bigger at play here that we're being drawn into all the time of God bringing his kingdom to us. I have much to learn. Sometimes transformation doesn't take place because I don't like who the information's coming through. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I'm alone in that one. But sometimes I just don't like who the information's coming through. I have a hard time getting past the rapper. I have a hard time getting past what I think I know about that person and welcoming what it is God's actually trying to say to me and invite me into. Sometimes transformation from hearing and living is because I have a hard time through whom the teaching's coming. But Paul goes after this in his letter and he reminds them that a significant part of the journey is putting into play what we've been taught. So the next thing though is I want to ask us this question. If we've been taught a lot of stuff over the years as followers of Jesus, are we still teachable? As far as you are in the journey, whether you've just begun it or you've been like on this path for like a long time, are you still, are we still teachable? For all the overload of information that's coming at us, just think about all the books you've got at home over the years, whether it's your profession your vocational profession and all of the teaching and the tools and the education that you were given with and your bookshelves are filled with that stuff. Whether it's all of the, the God books that you've bought along the way because you listened to a speaker and you went, I've got to get that book. It may not, no longer be in your house. It might be boxed up and shoved into dusty old boxes in, sitting in the garage. But just think about all of the library of information that you have personally invested in. Get a good look at that picture. Mountains of information, good teaching. It's one thing to listen to it, read it, but has it formed me? Has it shaped me? Are we still teachable? Has that information shaped my decisions? What about... Okay, get off the information stuff. What about the people who have encouraged you to get that information? Your, your university professors school teachers doctors nurses carpenters tradespeople accountants mentors coaches spiritual directors counselors have what about what they've taught you just take a little just a little stock take of that What have you learned from them? And have you put it into play because it's shaped your life? Sometimes putting things into play is when the shaping occurs. But for Paul, there's a significant key here that if we want to see our lives deeply rooted, built up and stronger in Jesus, he's saying, put into play what I've taught you. He even uses statements like this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says he's bold enough to say, follow me as I follow the example of Jesus. That's a pretty bold, eh? In other words, hang around me and we'll do what Jesus does. Yet I wonder if for all of the teaching, all of the modelling, all of the impartational moments, all of the encounters and all of that, I wonder if it still somehow exposes in us, in our resistance to formation by Jesus, it's falling on deaf ears, closed minds and hard hearts. Dear God, help us if it has. Isaiah, I think, when he was talking to the people of God in, and they were in the, the situation of um, living in um, exile and under oppression. And, and Isaiah, he, he's, he's like talking to these guys, um, the heart of God. And in Isaiah 29, 13, through Isaiah, the heart of God said this, you know, these people... <laughs> these people, they come near to me with their mouth. They honour me with their lips. In other words, when they're doing the God thing, they know what to say and the right thing to say and how to say it. But their hearts, they're far from me. What are the experiences that we've walked through where we have distanced our heart from God and his heart? Where are the moments where we've shut our heart down, where we've said, just not going there, just too hard, you surely can't be asking me to do this? You see, God's after the heart. So when Paul's saying put it into play, he's saying put your heart within proximity to God's heart. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get you get engaged with what the heart of God does and is doing in the world. If you want your heart to be like his heart, join in with what Jesus said the Father is already doing. Are our hearts teachable? Or or are there little moments where in our, uh, you know, invitations from Jesus every day we've said no, and at which point Paul would be saying, well, you're unteachable. You're unteachable. Put into practice what you've been taught. Sorry, mate, the next one. It was about proximity to heart, heart to heart. What's the proximity of your heart? How would you best describe that to God's heart today? How would you best describe that? What words would you use to describe that? What pictures? Heart to heart. You see, God's not interested in all the talk. There's plenty of information and all the talk that's streaming. What he wants to know is where's your heart? In regards to my heart. What's the proximity? You see, Jesus' message when he busts onto the scene as the heart of God, he says in Mark chapter 1 15 He says, Good news, folks, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, he's saying the proximity of everything that we've ever hoped for is about this far away from any human being at any given point in time and it's within reach can touch the kingdom of god the heart is the heart of god is revealed in jesus that close to anybody and everybody on planet earth all of the time where's your heart last thing i want to touch on this morning is is that i think flows out of what paul's talking about here is giving this stuff away, giving this stuff away. A life of thankfulness looks like giving this stuff away. You see, on the one hand, Paul's saying you're a good student if you're, putting, if you're partnering with God, but at the same time, he says you're not only a student, you're a teacher at the same time. Often, you know, because of our culture and context we live in, it's all about who's got the credentials, who's got the gold card, who's got the this, that and everything else to be able to do things. And I, you know, it's it's a pretty busy situation most of us are living in with regards to that. But Paul here is inviting Jesus' people to take all of that information that they have received and then somehow... Even before you feel like you're able to teach that to someone else, put it into play. And as you're putting it into play, you're inviting others to join you in it. The other week we had this great little moment where the Holy Spirit was ministering to people here out the front. And um, there was all sorts of uh, people here for healing. And the power of the Holy Spirit was really manifesting hard on a particular few people. And so I just grabbed all of the drive Up crew who just were happening to walk in the door as we were starting to do this and all these young guys and all these young girls who are at this stage, very impressionable stage of life and in this moment, in that moment, I'm like, I don't know how to teach this other than God's doing this, come and join into this and let's figure this out together. And as we did this, these young guys who were dressed in their football uniforms because they were about to go from this moment to a rugby league field in their everyday life, which was awesome, they, they experienced what it was like to put their hand on someone where the power of God was manifesting and bringing healing. And, I, and I, so I just took a moment. I said to the guys, what's going on? What do you think about that? Can you feel that? Are you aware of what's happening there? And I'm only one page in front, like a good teacher is. Just one page in front. Corey's giggling because he knows. He's a great teacher. One page in front. But it's taking what we have been given and intentionally giving it away. You see, you're a student and you're a teacher all at the same time. So... It's okay to understand, okay, I'm gaining information because I might need this and it's going to transform my life. It's going to set me free. It's going to make me more like a follower of Jesus that I long to be. I'm going to give my heart to that journey. But the other side of the coin to that is that heart journey and, and, and experience of being formed by Jesus is not just for you. It's for all of the people that are around you. So my question is, who are you teaching? Oh, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a good teacher. No, no, don't. I'm not. Shh, to all of that, just. Shh. I'm a failure at this. I'm a fa- no. Shh. I'm a failed parent. I've a failed marriage. I've failed financially. I've failed. You know the enemy. He will just line that stuff up and just shoot it at you all day. All the information that's streaming at you all day will tell you you're a failure because you're not an influencer like the rest of the world says you should be. All of that will line up every day and it will stream at you and stream at you and stream at you. And Paul would be saying to us in our setting, he would be saying, have we put into play what you've been taught about Jesus and are we now teaching others? Who are you teaching That's a question we all need to answer. You're all student teachers. I I just, you know, I loved my my son Luke. He's just done like two or three weeks of being a student teacher in a high school because he's doing a a high school teaching degree in science and PE. And he was like, he's like, I was so nervous on the first day when I got there because I felt like I had to know all the answers that they might ask me. Isn't that the truth of the matter? That we, we feel like we have to have all the answers before we've got something to give away, rather than just giving away the little that we've already been given? Well, I don't know everything, but I do know this. See, that's our posture. I don't, I don't, I don't know everything, but I do know this. I've learnt this about being a dad. I've learnt this about being a, an accountant. I've learnt this about being a childcare worker. I've learnt this about being a worship leader. I've learned this little bit about when you're praying for someone to get set free from like a, like a demon that haunts them every night. I've learnt this little bit. I don't know all of it, but I've learnt this. Are you giving away the bit that we've already been given? You want to see the kingdom come? Student teachers. Who am I learning from? Where am I applying what I've been taught? And who am I showing what, I've been lo- what I have learned? They're the three big questions to take away today, all right? Who am I learning from? Hopefully it's from King Jesus. Where am I applying what King Jesus has taught me? And who am I showing what I've learned in the way I'm living my life? They're the big questions. And all of this flows from what I think the prophet Isaiah touched on when he said to the people of, of God, he said, Where's your heart in proximity to God? For all the information, where's your heart? Let's close our eyes and pray. When we see you, Jesus, we see the Father's heart. When I see you, Jesus, I see the Father's heart. I see God's heart.